Welcome to episode number 17 of the Australian Athletic Podcast. Today we have a very, very special guest, former AFL, SNFL player for the North Football Club and also the co-founder of Nude Australia, Anthony Wilson. Thanks for having me. Good to have you here, man. Now, you've had a pretty interesting journey compared to most. You've definitely ventured into the side of sport at the very highest level. And now you've also taken that path, I guess, into business. So let's start. What got you into footy first? Um, I guess just from a young age. Um, obviously, yeah, having two brothers all around the same age, dad was playing footy, so it sort of just seemed like the the natural path to to take, and you know, to be out the front just kicking a football around. Um, so we would have been maybe six or seven years old when yep. we found out our neighbour was the the coach for like a junior team just across the road and it invited us along to train and it just sort of grew from there. So I think my, my younger brother was probably maybe five when he was playing under eights footy yep. before, before there was kick and then uh, myself and my uh, other brother who was, um, yeah, obviously a little bit older, but spent I spent maybe two years in under eights and um, those two spent maybe two or three years, which was, um, yeah, which was pretty nice. Where best did you grow up? I grew up in Salisbury. Um, so just what about right fellow right. northern suburbs? Yeah, north side for sure. Uh, so just by Hollywood Plaza. Yeah. Yeah. So I was uh, in between Hollywood and, and the uh, the rec centre. Yeah. So back in the day when the um, old uh, what do you call it Hollywood sign was still there. Yeah, Hollywood sign was still <laughs> there. Obviously, it's gone now. So my mum still lives out there actually. So it's pretty nice. Um, pretty dis- disappointing that that's gone. Um, <laughs> but yeah, obviously, spent most of my my life around Salisbury. Either you know being at Hollywood Plaza and um, shout out to Charlie Chan for like some, some mean fried rice out there, <laughs> which is you know they're, they're, still they're, around, they're still going around. Yeah, there, so that was pretty cool. Um, I went I actually was there the other week and I had some had some fried rice. Right <laughs> like just for the, nothing like, hits like the fried rice nah, from over there, man. Yeah, it's, it, was, it was great. No, I mean like Hollywood's not really changed too much to be honest. No. Um, but yeah, as I said, spent my time between Hollywood, the football club, and then over at the rec center, you know, playing basketball on a Sunday. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously they had the netball on Saturday, so everybody that went to school was always either like you know you played mix netball or whatever. Yeah. So um, the only thing I did play out there was cricket. Yeah. And get into it. So yeah, so the journey from there, um, obviously went. When did you start taking it seriously? Uh what football? Yeah. Uh, to be honest, probably not until I was about um, eighteen, nineteen, mm-hmm. when I started actually realizing I could probably take myself a little bit more serious. I think when I was 13, I was, yeah, I'm still pretty light on, I'm a pretty small person, but I always was told, oh, you're too small. So I sort of just enjoyed playing footy and being with my mates and whatever. And that was sort of my thing. And then, yeah, I realized obviously I started to, I started to gain this thing where I hated to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously I just lost the basketball game down there. So Obviously, after that, for the rest of the day. Um, but that's, I think, yeah. <laughs> for what you think is, we just had a three point contest downstairs, and I definitely won two to one. Yeah, no, <laughs> anyways, let's move on from that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I, I started to become a bit more competitive as I got a bit more, as, as I got a bit older. When I was young, I just enjoyed running around and having yep. a kick. Um, so, yeah, I spent probably eight, eight, when I started, once I was 18, 19, really taking myself seriously, put myself into. You know, training a bit harder by myself and, and getting out there and, and doing what I could but I think the actual the thing actually clicked you know they talk about this thing that clicks within you 
um, probably didn't click until I was about 21. So it took a good couple of years for me to actually find Work. the confidence to utilise everything that I've been doing yeah. for myself into into sort of senior football. Having trained you and having seen you play in the past, speed has always been your element. It, and did that carry you pretty much early on in your career? And you said you took it seriously. What changed, I guess, when you took it seriously? What improved in your game so much that made you go, all right, I'm playing at a certain level, I'm going to take it to the next level now. What changed in your game from that preparation? I think, yeah, for me, I've, I've sort of always been fast, uh, but I was never probably the greatest kick. I'd, uh, yeah. Yeah, I asked anyone in my family, they'll tell you, they'll put me in front of goals, I wouldn't kick a goal, <laughs> anything like that. So I started to take not only my my fitness seriously, but mm-hmm. also developing my skills within, within football um, to go to that next level. Um, so I think from my transition from under 18s footy to reserves footy was um, was quite interesting. Um, I started to have some coaches that actually believed in me. So, you know, having those coaches that were like, yeah, no, we, we think you can really contribute to Where the team. Where was that? And, Which club uh, was that? Uh, so it was probably my, my overage year at, at Port. I was, as a, as a 19-year-old playing as an overager um, in, in Matty Webber. Mm-hmm. Um, he, was, he was the first coach to sort of go, yeah, no, I think you can really bring a lot to this to the team and sort of built a little bit of confidence in me and then uh, I went to reserves level and had Brian Benke mm-hmm. who owns yeah and I believe it's Ent Green Allen too yes yep. yeah so um, so had him in there and he was sort of like yeah dude like you know you can really play and he was sort of the next guy that sort of went yeah 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 like we can do this um, you can do this and then Nathan Bassett at uh, at Norwood when I crossed from Port to Norwood, um, which was obviously the biggest no-no from many Port fans <laughs> and, and vice versa if you're at Norwood going to Port. Um, and yeah, so Nathan Bassett and Benny Warren when I got to Norwood um, all sort of just you know, just kept building me up slowly. Um, and it probably wasn't until my second year at Norwood when I was 21, 22, where they just sort of put me in the deep end and it was like sink or swim, this is an opportunity. and. That was a big a time frame for Norwood. That was a big era for them between that 2012 and 2014 years? Yeah, yeah, so 2012. So I crossed at the end of 2012 from Port to Norwood. So I spent a little bit of 2013 at Norwood. Um, and I had quite a few concussions at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I spent pretty much half the year, I remember getting knocked out at, uh, at Glenelg Oval Shit. on a Saturday and we're rolling into a Saturday night game against Glenelg and I got yeah got knocked out didn't really like didn't get knocked out just sort of hit my head yeah. played the rest of the game and after it just yeah was was absolute dust mm-hmm. um, and I think I spent maybe three to four months not being able to go to work study I was ha- having headaches massively head spins um, I remember one day I felt really good I was at my mum's place and I went to drive out to Hollywood to get my, my favourite Charlie Chan um, and I literally got to the end of the street, which made me 150 meters. And as I turned the corner, it's like I had vertigo and everything started spinning. And that was sort of like a scary thing where I just sort of was like, oh, they've I'm not actually. They've started to take concussions so much more seriously yeah. now. They've yeah. said, and look, there's some unfortunate events that have happened. I've seen, obviously, with the Danny Foley incident with yeah. Shane Tuck in the past as well. They're starting to realize concussions no joke. Yeah. If oh, you get yeah. it, you've got to look after yourself, man. Yeah. Well, I, I, I literally did not play. Uh, I reckon that happened in round two or three at Norwood. I didn't play another game until maybe the last two games of the year. 
That's yeah. how long I'd actually missed. And, you know, at that time, it was you know, 18 games. So I'd missed roughly 15 games of footy yeah. before I was actually able to go back and train, actually feel okay again. Yeah. Um, and I still feel like it does impact you a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know the long-term effects nah, of it. Nah, we so know what happens with repeated blows, but what happens after just one blow, everyone's going to react differently to it. We don't understand the brain anywhere near as much as we'd like nah, to think we do. It's scary, and it is very scary. And I think from my, my time with my concussions, I actually spent a lot of time talking with, with Donna at Norwood when you know some of the young guys would get knocked out and crack the shit so they couldn't go back out. Mm. And I had to actually go and talk to them about you know, the, the serious implications of of what it can do even especially in that short term period for me where you know I, I couldn't work I couldn't study um, I was at a uni studying teaching at the time I was doing part time um, at an at a insurance broker company and I yeah, had to take time off wasn't getting any income whatsoever because I was just I was literally bedridden yeah um, couldn't have the TV on I was literally spent most of my time in the dark yeah trying to trying to yeah get rid of the headaches that were coming and going and um, as I said, one day I feel great. Next, like you know, two hours later, I'm um, back to being dust again. So exactly, it's uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's lucky sort of you have a good support network around there, and it just shows how much you have to look after yourself once you do and concur concussion. Yeah, it is, and it's it's it is scary. And, and uh, again, lucky that you know um, the people, um, especially Don Donna at Norwood. She looks uh, after everyone. At Norwood, she does, man. and she's she's just like a uh, you know she's. She's like a mother to, to anybody that walks through there, yep. and she's been uh, been amazing for me. And even when I've had, you know, migraines and things like that, it's sort of taken a bit of time. But I think even from there, um, when I did get knocked out, I actually realised that it actually affected my eyesight as well. So I actually started wearing contact lenses. Really? After that as well, Shit. and glasses. So. Do you um, still to this day? Yep. To yep. this day, yeah, still wear those. Um, so I've got mine in at the moment, but it's uh, yeah, man, it's just, it's not something you can play around with. Because as you said, like you don't know the long-term effects. I don't know the long-term effects for myself, but I, I do know. I feel like uh, occasionally I get like a bit of a brain freeze where I get stuck on things when I'm trying to have a conversation with people. Um, yeah. So it's um yeah it's 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 interesting. Um you know I remember before that I was sort of quite um yeah pretty flat. You got to articulate yeah, everything articulate, pretty much. Yeah. Straight sometimes away. sometimes I have to pause myself to think of the next word that I'm trying to say and, I, and look that might not be from the concussion that just might be you're more aware be, of it though yeah. yeah it might be me just being a bit of a dumbass at the same time <laughs> so, um, but no, I like to a, consider myself slightly literate yeah, too yeah. so I'll take that <laughs> uh, you know coming from the north side we, we're gonna Mate, you know, we cop a lot of stick we do we do but I mean again like you know rolling into that my, my second year at Norwood so I had obviously the concussions in 2013 rolling into Norwood in 2014 I think I came back I, I remember my cousin saying, oh, you should come play footy with me out in the country. And I said, no, I'm going to have one more shot. At, Give at one actually, more crack. One more crack before, um, you know, before I decide what I want to do. And I literally went back. I was, I was running PBs. I was um, lifting PBs in, in that preseason in, at the start of Did you start to really take that physical preparation and take it down to the next level? Yeah, well, I feel even now that I'm, you know, I'm almost at the end, I'm pretty much at the end of my career, I felt like, the more I, I, probably not so much running because I feel like I can get fit through preseason, but the lifting side, the strength, the the, the core, you know, strength from my core and legs and whatever, actually helped me. Yeah. Um. So when I went into twenty fourteen, I was probably the fittest I'd ever been. I think I was running like a, a, a six twenty something two k. 
which you know I think you've seen me run a 2k over the last like, three <laughs> years and they're not probably that good but I was I was super fit I was I was felt like I was super strong um, and I've maybe played a few okay games in the reserves didn't think I was worthy enough for a, a call up but I was felt like I was doing okay and um, I think that the start of that year I think Norwood were a bit you know nah, they weren't they did start off two crash out. I think we were like one and three or one and four or something like that. And um, yeah, well, I just got a, got my first league game um, at Adelaide Oval, which yeah. was pretty amazing. Yeah. So Antec that Adelaide Oval against North Adelaide. We did lose, but that was uh, there's that still was a special a, moment for anyone. Yeah, it was an it was an amazing moment <clears throat> to be able to go there and, and play uh, play your first game. I didn't get dropped after that. I was a little bit, a little bit annoyed, um, but I yeah I got dropped to go and play uh, reserves the next week, and I got injured, so I didn't play the South game at South the week after. Um, just sort of a little niggle, um, and then yeah, for some reason I, I yeah played reserves, got injured, and then was straight back in the league team mm-hmm. um, against I think Eagles or Crows, one of them, and yeah, just sort of from there just. You got to take just, the opportunities yeah, when they just, come. It yes. just sort of like it just sort of happened. I, I played really well that night, and it just sort of again like your confidence grows and grows. And the next minute, I know I'm, I'm playing every single week. Next minute, we're playing finals, and it's like a different ball game. I'm, I'm so amped. I'm, you're playing at Adelaide Oval. The first, you know, this was the first SNFL finals at Adelaide Oval for a long time. Um, so I got to play play the finals, and I'm pretty fortunate to you know within my first fifteen games of, of league footy of Modern premiership. Yeah. So, you know, I think people go, you know, I probably did take it for granted, thinking, oh, how, how, how is this? How yeah, is this? 15 games 15 in, you're games. thinking, oh, this is going to happen again, no problem. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm pretty jealous of someone like uh, Andrew Kerwin, though. Like, he's played 50 odd games and won three flags. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, it's pretty incredible. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I, again, I won a premiership in my first 15 games. Didn't play in another grand final until almost four or five years later um, and playing a losing one but you know it was, it was sort of a stepping stone to obviously building myself uh, in a football capacity but then obviously transferring those skills into after after footy as well so exactly. um, you know look I didn't probably expect to be playing in the grand final that year I didn't expect to even be rookie listed after that Yeah, it just sort of Again, my my motive was to give myself the best opportunity to play league footy and roll from there. Yeah, it was no like oh, I want to play in a premiership. It's like I just want to play league footy. You want to play the best that you can, and you want to play at the highest level that you yeah. can. What happens from there? I guess it's out of your hands. Oh, dude, I was like, I seriously it was like, I just want. I was like, I just want to play one league, one game. If I play one game of league footy, I'll be so stoked. Um, and it just so happened to be that you know I played one. Played another, played mm-hmm. another, and before you know it, you you you're a Premiership player, you're you you're an AFL rookie, you're a state player, you're a state game player, and you're a hundred games player, and you're a tight. Yeah, it goes. It feels like, like it's forever, especially in the start of preseason. Yeah, yeah. But then you look back on it, you're like, where did that time go? Yeah, it's gone so quick, man. You know, already already retired, already hung up, hung up the boots and from SNFL footy and it's scary like yeah. Oh yeah, I'm not even 30 yet but 
that time of my life felt like the longest time there. I mean, you know, again, I probably didn't understand what it was to take care of my body. Yeah. Um, you know, I knew about keeping myself fit and whatever, but I didn't understand like even the intervention side. Until you get hurt, you don't realize how much attention you can pay to detail in terms mm. of preparation. You can get out in the field, but getting out in the field and not being prepared versus being getting out in the field and actually doing that physical preparation beforehand, you're a different athlete. No, you are. You definitely are. It's a, it probably, yeah, as I said, when I got to injury, it wasn't until uh, I got to Adelaide that I learned about injury prevention. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what I did was just lift weights, do running, didn't understand the importance of, you know, strengthening your glutes and your hips and everything else because obviously that's where all your power comes from. And as soon as I stopped doing that, I can feel myself being a bit more, uh, I call myself fragile at the time because yeah. I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm an old man, I can't move, <laughs> I can't walk. Um, so yeah, so even now, even even now I don't play footy, I'm, I'm sitting there doing Theraband exercises at yep. home before every gym session. You know what makes every, you feel good. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I've learned what makes me feel good, what doesn't, and it's been yeah, it's been an interesting journey. Um, what, to understand all of that. What are the biggest differences in terms of physical preparation when it comes to SANFL level versus AFL level? What are the key differences that you notice between both the opportunities there, but also the players majority of the time there? Um, well, I mean, I feel like my time in, in AFL, you learn that. Everybody within most blokes that succeed at AFL level, attention to detail, like seriously, aren't the most skillful or um, athletically gifted. I think a lot of them are athletically gifted, the more so than others. But they're just not natural footballers in AFL. Um, there are a few, but a lot, uh, a lot more aren't. Um, but I think their attention to detail in terms of their eating habits, their training habits, you know, the the detail to injury prevention and what what makes them feel good. They sacrifice um, they, a lot. They sacrifice so much um, to be where they are, and I think for me that was sort of the learning curve. Oh, I had to understand, like I was obviously a bit sour about being delisted and and whatnot, and it took me a while to sort of come to terms with it. But I realised I probably wasn't. The sort of person who lived, breathed, and and ate football. Mm-hmm. I was someone who I wanted the best out of myself, but I just also wanted to enjoy my time playing, yeah. um, and also enjoy my time away from football. So, you know, understanding that I, when I was at SNFL level, I had the balance. Yeah. And then to go, you go into AFL system, it's full time. It's yeah. a different. It's a it's a different kettle of fish altogether. Like you. SNFL blokes, it's it's so nice. You know, we don't get the financial rewards for it, but it's nice that you're there for a few to, you know a few times a few times a week, two or three hours. Then you're home and you get to do whatever you want to do yeah. away from footy. Um, and as and much as enjoy. we, I think me and you both don't like to be told that we're wrong, no. but we'll be sour about it initially. Then when we're actually reflecting on like, oh holy shit, this is actually what it took, and mm. this is the actual way that you have to do it. Yeah, dude, and, and that's the thing is, you know, so many so many people don't realize like the sacrifices that those blokes make uh, are, are quite massive. Um, they see them for a couple you, hours on the field yeah, like on the weekend. You're missing birthdays. You're missing um, weddings. Sometimes. Weddings. Or sometimes you're missing births of births of your kids. Like you know, it's a, it's a it's a lot to to go through. You know, for what. 
10, 12 year career if you're lucky. Um, you know, most blokes survive four years and, and in that time, you know, like you can play a hundred games in four years and well, just look what happened with the COVID situation over the last few years where they've had to quarantine in different states for a month. Even longer yeah. sometimes. Yeah. I mean it's it's crazy. It's it's a different yeah, it's a different beast. Um, but again, I've learned a lot from it. I've I've made some, some good friends from it as well. Um, but again yeah, no, I've come to terms with I I wasn't good enough um, to play but uh, a friend of mine said to me one day he goes and he was on a list for four years didn't play a game and he goes you just got to put it this way just at some point in your life at some point in your career someone thought you were good enough to give an opportunity to yeah. and I was like okay yeah. he goes mm, there are many blokes who don't play an AFL game but there's a lot more blokes who don't get drafted. And I was like, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Unless you put yourself in the arena, you'll never know. Mm. And the thing is, you'd rather have experienced that than gone, I've never actually even made it to an AFL list. Because how many people actually get to say that? Yeah. Not, not many, many, man. Not many at all. So, I mean, yeah, pretty pretty lucky to, to have done that and, and learn from some of the best um, in the game. In, in their in their field so you know at the time for me when I was at um, the Crows uh, my mentors were you know, I had a few um, I had Eddie uh, learning from Eddie Betts um, and, and Charlie Cameron who were, who were both there at the time um, and trying to squeeze those two blokes out of out of a spot was obviously a big challenge for me yeah. obviously Charlie being one of the best in the game at the moment Eddie being one, one of the best that ever was in the game um, but I also got to learn from blokes like Ian, Ian Cullinan um, and Dave McKay, who were both, I think Ian Cullinan played a fair few games for the Crows, but pretty respectable state league career as well. He got drafted as a mature age draft? Yeah. 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 Uh, and then obviously Dave McKay, um, you know, he, don't think he gets enough credit, but yeah, he obviously didn't really talk too much, but on-field stuff. Um, and so there's just some, some sort of craft things that he would he would teach me. I still probably take away a fair bit of that, and I still obviously use that. And when I'm teaching some of the young people who play in a similar position to me, um, some of those skill sets as well. So yeah. yeah, it's been a been a good good learning curve. Highlights of your career? Uh, it has to be the the premierships um, along with the footy trip in, in 2014 <laughs> it's a, a great time um, but yeah look I think just more so the friendships that I've made are probably my, my biggest highlights you know still being able to catch up with some of those blokes and enjoy a beer and enjoy telling some stories some footy stories and um, yeah they're definitely some of the post-match stories that go around um, premierships I mean being drafted was obviously as an individual you know it was, it was pretty nice to be recognised as you know, you potentially could could be something one day. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I I think for me, I'll never go past that premiership feeling because it was sort of surreal. And everything is still very vivid in my mind. The aftermatch stuff, the pre-match stuff. It is, yeah, it was something. It doesn't really, leave you. And like you said, no. you probably took it for granted at the time, but it doesn't mean there was any less nah, of a memory. You know, like you're playing in front of 40,000 people, 38,000 people, whatever it was, it's 
surreal. Like yeah. it's, it's seriously surreal. You never ever think as a as a kid, especially you know, growing up in the north, that you'd one day be playing in front of thirty eight thousand, forty thousand people, um, and in, in one of the biggest you know rivalries in terms of Port v Norwood, who have a long history. Um, growing up in the port zone, and my dad being a mad port man, I think it was a little bit sad for him, but it was pretty exciting at the same time. Oh, fantastic. And there was also the very, very close year in 2017, where you guys almost had it, the reserves and league team made it. 20, yeah, 2018, yeah. 2018, was it? Yeah, 2018, yeah. Uh, I think so. One of those years, definitely. Yeah, it was one of those years. But no, look, that was obviously, I mean, that was a pretty scary. I mean, from 2018, I think one of the things, it was the year in 2018 where you guys almost made it. And like you said, it's pretty tough to get there. You don't really t- take it for granted in 2013. Yeah. No, it was, yeah, I mean, take it for granted and sort of like, the, 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 obviously being able to be playing a grand final again like four or five years later was pretty nice. I think we played in front of 40-odd thousand that year yeah. against North. Um, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, to have, I think North had their reserves in there, we had our reserves in there. So obviously two really good clubs um, coming through. Yeah, I just think, yeah, it's obviously a missed opportunity. I think, um, you know, Norwood fans always go, oh, yeah, <laughs> you, you, lost the, you lost the unlosable grand final, but I don't see it that way. I think we pretty much, um, you know, North were, were really good that day. We were, I thought we weren't too bad. Yeah. They just, yeah, that was it was probably one of the better. best seasons Nord put together leading up to the grand final. Yeah. It just wasn't their day. Well, I think you remember that year. I think we played Sturda, didn't we? And we kicked 13 goals or something. That, that was, was... That was probably one of the... That's probably another highlight of mine. Like, that was... And the West Adelaide game as well where Nos came out and kicked four in the last quarter. I didn't play that game. You didn't play that no, game? No, no. Oh, I, I, wasn't, I think I was away. I think I was away for work that week or something like that. And I do remember sort of seeing it that we were down most of the day and he come out and just like obviously go off the chain and does what he does. I mean, he's a, I mean, he's, he's unreal. Like, I mean, him being able to play alongside him. Like, that 13 goals was scary to watch because yeah. we just didn't know what it was going to stop. Yeah, well, I bumped into a few of the Sturt guys at um, the Kendrick Lamar concert. Yeah. And they were like, dude, what the hell are you like, How yeah. the hell do you like even... If Giorgio is banging one from like 55... Yeah. Then you know that things are going to go well. Well, they went down and had a shot and hit the post, I think, in like the first like two minutes. And then we didn't keep going until like the four or five or six minute mark. Yeah. And then just went like bang, bang. Yeah. And I was like, and I was just, at the time I was playing in the forward, I was like trying to obviously get on some end of some cheap ones. But that was just going over my head. Like they yeah. were bringing it so easy out of the midfield. And, um, yeah, that was... That was ridiculous. I should have known on grand final day when I rock up, I probably was about two minutes late to the reserves game and I couldn't find Lenny Pascoe anywhere in the field. I'm thinking, what's going on? Then I find out from, uh, I believe it was Donna, yeah, Sermo's fallen and him, Sindersmos is gone. So in the first minute of the reserves game, should have left the game right there, told the league guys, don't even go out. It's not a good day. Yeah, shit, okay. I didn't know that. I didn't realise that he did this in the moment. So, yeah. So, it was that game. Yeah. Sermo, Lenny, and one of the North blokes went up for a mark. Sermo lands on Lenny, and that's what happens. Ah, uh, It was a bad day from there. Yeah, <laughs> probably is. I mean, he's been, uh, he's been pretty good this year, Lenny. Like, he's yep. playing together some league games. Back into the league him, squad, yeah. I watched him play against... Who did they play against? Maybe South. He played pretty well. 
yeah. in the final. Yeah. And shout out to Lenny Pasco. <laughs> and for Luke Sermo, thank you for hurting Lenny Pasco that day. <laughs> and Sermo just for Sermo. Sermo. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> if he watches it, see what that He knows what we're talking about. To be fair, Sturt game again the following year in the reserves preliminary final. Kicking one after the siren. Dude. I swear, it's something about Sturt. <laughs> Dude, I literally, yeah, I think I remember that day. I, I ran out onto the ground. I think a few of us like boys were there. We were so amped for that because that was, yeah, that was unreal. Um, I still don't believe that it went through. No, he's he's done some very well for himself at times, Servo. Um, that was, yeah, that was a massive, I remember that. That was at West East, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that was... Yeah. Good day. No faith in him whatsoever to kick that one, but somehow it goes I think through. A, I think there was a few uh, heads, uh, yeah, heads and hands <laughs> waiting for it. Um, but yeah, I, I backed just seven hundred percent. Yeah, sure, sure. I had a lot of money on you to kick that. <laughs> if only I had that much faith. In <laughs> um, uh, let's talk about po- well, not completely post career that it started, but Noon Australia. Yeah, what uh, was I guess what's the story behind you starting up as a co-founder and I guess what's it blossom into now I mean yeah look it sort of started off as just a sort of an idea um, of more so around soaps and whatnot but um, yeah it just became a bit uh, I, don't, I don't know I sort of pitched the idea of, of creating hand soaps and, and skincare from native native botanicals um, from from my perspective, we've always had like a, a bush rub and bush creams from you know, made from our our old people out out in the country um, that we'd use at home. So it's sort of like infusing that with Western ideology, um, and that's pitched out here to a few people. And obviously, uh, my business partner now he loved it, thought it was a great idea, thought we should chuck in a hand sanitizer as well. Good um, timing, and that. yeah, and we sort of. Worked on that for about almost a year. Uh, we launched in 2018, August 2018, so I think when we were in the grand final. Um, and yeah, it sort of panned out to be pretty well. I think we yeah, launched in yeah, about August 2018. Obviously then COVID hit six months later and it just sort of grew some legs. Was it 2019 that you launched or 2018? 2018. So 2018. we launched in August, yeah, 2018. Yeah. And then COVID hit early twenty. 2020. So it was 2020 that it really had a significant impact. Yeah, but so. it sort of yeah it sort of impacted uh, us going into 2019. So it was you know within our first financial year, um, and it just yeah it was crazy. So yeah, it was in the in the right right place at the right time so yeah. to speak. Um, and it just sort of from there it's just grown. I mean we look after now um, Perth Airport. Uh, we've got we'll paint a pound. Uh, we've got a contract with 1834 Hotels, which is, yeah, crack in the Brussels Wine Tail, a few others as well. Yeah. So it's just starting to, like, really grow some legs in, in where we, what we look after, who we look after, and things like that. Um, we do a little bit of, um, you know, B2C sort of stuff in terms of, you know, just consumers from home wanting to buy. Um, but majority of ours, our business is, is a lot more B2B yeah. sort of stuff. So it's, again, been amazing. Now, the brand itself, it's not just about, obviously, supplying products. It's got a little bit of a message behind it as well. You use all natural... Yeah, so we use all, all natural oils. So we don't try... We try not to use synthetics. Uh, we don't use any synthetics, to be honest. But it's... Um, 
I guess everyone creating eco-friendly formulas and um, all those things. And then obviously telling the stories of, of some of the rich, amazing products, uh, oh, sorry, rich, amazing native botanicals that we have here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people don't even realize, you know, the things like Capri Palmer are three times more potent than orange. And, you know, you got an orange that's this big, you eat that, you get your vitamin, you got to eat 10 of those, you get your vitamin C levels up, you get Capri Palmer's like this big, and you eat one of those, you, you're set. So yep. it's like, you know, trying to get people to understand the, the importance of those and a, a lot of those native Australian things that we do have are starting to become superfoods as well. Yeah. So, you know, trying to tell a story um, of of culture, um, but also having an influence on in in a sort of Western ideology. Well, so, you're also having a big impact in terms of helping out local suppliers too and local businesses because yeah. you're not. I'm guessing you're not outsourcing most of your stuff internationally. No, no. So obviously, the the thing is, is with wild harvest compared to like a you know you know like greenhouse or whatever or wherever you grow it. Um, the benefits of the product within a within the wild harvest is so much more potent than you would in the other in the other direction. So yeah. that's it's, fantastic, uh, man. Yeah, so it's pretty crazy. So, I'm glad yeah. that it's taken off, and look, I think COVID impacted a lot of businesses, but hopefully, you guys took it as much as anything advantage of that because obviously, there's always going to be a need for your products, mm-hmm. and hopefully, it continues to grow because you're going to be able to give back to the community more and more. Yeah, and that's and that's the aim is you know obviously grow the business to a point where I can give money back. I can. I can give my time back to community. Um, as you know, it's you know speaking about it off camera. Like a lot of people get into business to make money, um, and it's always you know yes, you got to be in business and you want to make money. You need you to business. make money, hundred percent, but know, it doesn't it need to be the underlying motivation. You know, it doesn't, and that's a and that's the issue. Is the, you got people that are just here to make money, but the re- you have to have more genuine reasons than just money. Um, yeah. As you know, being in your field, you want to actually see people do better. You actually want to work on people who want to do, who want to better themselves in their in their area of sport. Um, and then, obviously, for me, it's about giving back to the community, and making sure that I can build up community to to want to do bigger and better things. So fantastic, man! Yeah, it's uh, it's been a again long journey trying to get to that point and get that message across. Um, but we're slowly getting there. Better yourself never really stops, whether it be sport, business, whatever no, it might be. No, you've got to continue to grow. I think, uh, as we talked about before, you know, people get so content in where they are. Um, if you're not continue, continually growing and learning, then... You can be happy, yeah. but that doesn't mean that you have to be satisfied with what you currently got. Yeah. It's okay to want more. Yeah, you can 100%. be happy, but strive for more. Otherwise, yeah. what do you have to look forward to? Exactly right. And I, I think I like to challenge myself. I think I realised that when I when I was travelling is, you know, I'd I'd want to go to a place so bad. I'd get there and I'd spend you know a few hours there, and I'm like, all right, well, what's next? You know, I'm sort of always um, on the go and on looking forward to next. Yeah, and I think some people go, oh, that's sometimes a horrible mindset, but I think it's also it's a growth right? mindset. Though. It's a yeah. It's also, well, what else can I do? What else can I go and see? What's what's the next next big thing that I can I can achieve? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of that's sort of my mindset. I think you're right. Like you have the growth mindset, and is there one? I know they're teaching schools growth mindset, and can't remember. I'm gonna say this is down to my concussion that I apparently have had, or something. Like that. There's a mind blank. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So no, it is, and uh, I'm I'm a, I'm a massive believer in growing uh, yeah. and learning. It doesn't stop, and I think as you know in business, you, you're constantly learning something new every day. 
And if you're not, you're probably going to fall behind eventually. Someone else is going to come in and take over. Exactly right. My man, is there anything that you want to leave? Any messages to any young footy players, I guess, going up, going into the system? No, just continue to grow and continue to develop yourself. Um, Don't ever be satisfied with where you are. Uh, I think that's sort of the point of the the whole conversation, really. It's, you know, you... Doesn't matter what you're trying to achieve. No, it doesn't matter. I think it goes across all, all... all things, you know, whether it's education, whether it's business, whether it's just your everyday job, um, or or in sports, you got to continue to grow and develop yourself. Otherwise, as you said, you fall well behind the next person. Yeah. Um, I think you, you see that in sport all the time. Is you know, people in the AFL get drafted at pick fifty, and they turn out to be, yeah, you know, the, the best pick from that draft. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's the that's the important thing is those blokes are willing to work um, very hard to get to where they were. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on today. No worries, man. Absolute pleasure. Guys, if you enjoyed it, please make sure you give it a like, share it. We're on YouTube now, apparently. We're filming this stuff. (laughs) Amazing stuff. Amazing. Growth mindset, right? Growth mindset. Exactly. Thank you so much, guys. We'll see you for the next episode. Oh, that is...